Welcome in everyone to Flyover Footy. You're listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS. My name is Matt Baker, hosting tonight in place of Phil Grooms, who's under the weather. Phil, get better soon. We'll see you next week. But in the meantime, we have a fantastic, huge 2024 season preview on the horizon. I'm joined by my friends in soccer, Santiago Beltran and Stuart Holtgren, to run through it all. Santi, let's start with you. How are you doing today? Doing great, Matt. Uh, was at City Park today, um, testing some stuff for the radio broadcast. And then uh, we were there for media day, had a chance to talk to a few of the players, meet some of the new guys. Uh, so it's here. The season is, is here. Five more days until that CONCACAF Champions Cup game against Houston. And then uh, back to uh, City Park four days later to play uh, Real Salt Lake. It's hard to do a preview justice when you have two massive competitions and you've had an exciting preseason that we've been covering, but we're going to try to do it tonight. And then to help us, Stu, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. It's really sinking in. Uh, it It's come on quickly, but yeah, no, we're, we're doing some other things behind the scenes on some other things, but it's... Uh, it's five days away. What can I say? We're right here. And it's, it's only going to get less from here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, guys, let's let's wrap up preseason. So we, we're going to have our big season preview here in a few minutes. But let's catch up with what's been happening since our last show. We had two matches since we last recorded. A 2-2 draw against the New York Red Bulls from Saturday, February 10th. This match, to me, had almost no takeaways from a goals perspective. You had PKs, you had a wind-slash-sun-assisted <laughs> goal, and then yeah. you had basically goals scored against us that didn't involve our first team or didn't involve players that you look to have massive minutes. It was um, an, an Oliveras error, and it was uh, just a, a struggle on the back line. Um, I had a tough time drawing too much away from that, but I had even less time drawing things away from our 3-2 loss against Louisville City that we played today, Thursday, to, uh, February 15th, in a 120-minute final closed-door friendly where it was more of a dress rehearsal to get minutes. Carnell said after the game, this was an opportunity to get so many players a run out, so many players an opportunity for stretching to 75, getting multiple groups. It really seemed like it provided a last-minute bit of preparation for the multiple games, the four games in 11 days that we have in front of us. Santi, what did you take away from any of those last two games, especially the Lou City game? Yeah, so um, the New York Rebels game, um, as you said, like, um, yeah, like some weird goals and uh, some mistakes, um, but um, a good showing. And um, I know people don't think a lot about uh, how preseason games, uh, how preseason goes and the results, but I think not losing um, in those four games uh, was good. And and then today against Louisville, uh, yeah, 3-2 loss and, and yeah, people made a lot into it. Oh, it's a USL team and it's the, it, was, it was the last game of your preseason and you are ending the season um, in, a, in a bad way, but but as you mentioned, uh, it was a good opportunity to give guys minutes and uh, it extended for another 30 minutes after the 90 minutes. And some guys, uh, including Leuven, who had his um, his first appearance after coming back, 
from Germany uh, play 45 minutes. So um, I think it was good to get everybody minutes. And I think the team is, is ready. I, I wouldn't read too much into that result. Stu, what are your takeaways in uh, the last few preseason games and kind of wrapping up preseason? I mean, uh, you never want to lose to Louisville, uh, given our history. But yeah. uh, did uh, Damian Loss start today? I didn't actually see if he started for Louisville or not. But, I mean, he is he's a you know goalkeeper with a huge upside. Um, <clears throat> but Louisville's not a uh, – you know, they're a very respectable team and it's a preseason and the key points are to kind of get guys time and to find the last kinks to work out before the regular season and uh, Houston on Tuesday. So I, I don't think there have been anything, there's nothing alarming that I've seen in the preseason and seen uh, Mick Scoresley play. Uh, that's been nice. He's been he's been a breath of fresh air out of the super draft after our experience with the super draft last year and we're going to talk about him in just a second. My takeaways from this especially the Lou City match is that you hit it Santi. Edu Leuven came back after nearly a 2 week layoff layoff in Germany to get his green card. He's back. The provisional green card is his. He no longer takes up an international roster slot and he played 45 minutes today. So depending on what the team can get him up to speed at for next Tuesday, he looks to either start or be a sub available early on and definitely available for that first MLS regular season match against Real Salt Lake. We also found out good news that Joachim Nilsson is back in St. Louis. He didn't play today, but he was on the same training regiment that Edu Leuven was in Germany. And we can expect that, assuming the health and fitness ramps up accordingly, he should be able to feature, if not that first MLS regular season match, maybe the second leg of Houston CONCACAF Champions Cup. So, Exciting from a, an availability perspective. It was good that they were able to get that extra 30 minutes against Lou City, that both teams agreed to that, because I think that's going to do wonders for our ability to have healthy and fit rotation these first three games especially. Guys, I want to pivot over a little bit to something that I will give full credit to my wife for bringing this idea up. She thought that it would be a fantastic opportunity for anybody who might have tuned out or dialed out over the offseason to just get caught up really quick. Let's say you haven't paid attention to the news. You're just watching what's on the field. This is a good primer of what you missed in the offseason, who left, who came, and then a couple of the news things that you might experience at City Park and some rule changes in MLS. So I'm going to start with the roster movements. If you're familiar with the 2023 version of St. Louis City, here's what you missed in the offseason. Out are Jared Stroud, Lucas Bartlett, Jonathan Bell, John Nelson, Nico Joachini, Miguel Perez, and a couple other players who didn't necessarily feature last year, Michael Creek being among them. But those are the stars. If you if you tuned into 2023 St. Louis City, these are the players that you're going to miss. Jared Stroud and Lucas Bartlett went to DC United in MLS. Jonathan Bell went to Seattle Sounders in MLS. John Nelson went to the LA Galaxy. Nico Joachini was transferred to Como FC in Italian Serie B. And Miguel Perez is on a season-long loan to Birmingham Legion in the USL. Miguel Perez may come back this year, just like Sam and Deneron did last year, but we look to watch Birmingham closely to see how he progresses. In, in their place, and just in in general, are some very exciting players that we've been watching all preseason. Chris Durkin, first and foremost, a central midfielder from DC United, came in a trade that sent Jared Stroud and Lucas Bartlett, along with $300,000 in GAM, 
We have new fullbacks in left back Nicholas Dewar from Danish Superliga side FC Michland. Right back Thomas Totland, the Norwegian American from Swedish first division side BK Haken. Both of them came to City for a reported $500,000 transfer fee. Both of them are on three year contracts with options for 2027. And we also picked up two players in the Super Draft midfielder Jose Kojima from Wake Forest in the first round, and forward Brendan McScorley, as Stu alluded to earlier, <laughs> Brendan McScorley from Providence. Neither have been announced as of February 15th with first team contracts but both have participated fully in preseason, including being available for media days today, at least Jose Kojima was. So exceeding them on the field, even though they might not fit into the first team, you can you can bet that you want to keep an eye on those two names, Jose Kojima and Brendan McSorley. Santi, what are you most excited about in this list of how City has changed going into 2024? I am very excited um, about Chris Dorkin. He has looked really good in in preseason and um when he played with blom um i i really like that that duo and um i think uh, from what i have seen uh, it's going to be a great addition to to the midfield and um he um he had connections with the team like uh, he played with klaus in belgium uh-huh. he he played with uh, akil watts and indiana basilev in um the U17s uh, was coached uh, in that team by John Hackward. So I think um, the familiarity with some of those players has, has helped him adapt to the team quickly. So I'm really excited about that addition, even though when you look at it and when you read about what national media say, it doesn't look like a sexy uh, signing, but uh, I think he's going to do really well. Stu, your top takeaway from the offseason. I love Durkin's haircut. Uh, that's a <laughs> top level view, but no, I, I, I said during the, uh, I think it was the LA game that he just has a, he has a hard nose style that St. Louis fans will love. Um, and he was one of those guys I, I follow. I'm, I'm a big soccer guy on, on big soccer.com. If people know mm-hmm. who that is, I follow youth prospects and I follow Durkin for years and mm-hmm. he kind of fell off for a while after he transferred, but he definitely has pedigree. And uh, <clears throat> I've always been a fan, but he's been hyped for a long time. Uh, but seeing him play is always a fantastic thing. And Santi, it's it's funny you say he was with the U-17s, because I, I constantly look at that U-17 team that played against uh, uh, the St. Louis FC U-18 team in 2017 or so and he wasn't called up for that one but i w- do think he was called up in that cycle so akil watts was on that one as well uh and hackworth was coaching with josh Sargent up top wow uh, yep. but no the the whole overall the team looks stronger and uh, uh nico needing be replaced aside uh, I'm very excited about the changes that have happened. Chris Durkin is a player that I I think maybe it's because of he, him being the first player that we signed in the offseason, the first acquisition back in December, uh, has kind of flown under the radar a little bit when when everybody's been looking at our fullbacks. And Brennan Stanfield said, I'm really excited about the new wingbacks in chat. And I am a, I'm over the moon for our new wingbacks. I think that those are perfect system additions, Totlin and Dewar, two 
not just provide additional depth to the wingbacks, but elevate our overall uh, top tier abilities. So you're not just looking to add depth in your second, third, and fourth year. You're looking to raise the bar, increase the overall, what is your top level ability at each position? And I think both of those do that. Chris Durkin in particular ticks a lot of boxes. He he has shown in the preseason to be a box-to-box capable midfielder. He's shown the capability to be a number six, just as Jabulu Blom says he is, he is a number six. When we talked to Blom earlier in the offseason, he said that Durkin plays the same position as him. And we can see how that might work in the preseason, both pushing up and holding back if you have both of them in the central of a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2-2 look. And Durkin's ability to not just provide cover for Blom, but also complement him if he needs to be. Maybe you have Leuven in a different position. There's a lot of flexibility that Carnell continues to speak to when he when he talks to the media that Chris Durkin brings. And the one thing I'll add too, Stu, picking up on your comment about uh, Durkin familiarity with City. When I spoke to Durkin today during the media day's availability, he was very excited about returning to some old friends, not just John Hackworth, but you said Akil Watts, Indiana Vasilev from his days at the youth national team and Klaus. There's a story from the post-dispatch that he told Tom Timmerman. He retold that today about when Klaus joined his team or when he joined Klaus's team rather in Belgium, uh, Klaus uh, kind of gave him the lay of the land. Like they were, they're giving each other ideas. And then when Klaus left, uh, Klaus is like, all right, how's America before he left Durkin? Durkin's like, oh, yeah, giving him the lay of the land, what America's like. Durkin comes here, what's St. Louis like? Klaus is able to be <laughs> right. St. Louis's ambassador for Chris Durkin. That's an incredible story. And that goes not just to the just the camaraderie that this team is building, but just bringing a guy in like Durkin who ticks all of those boxes and knows so many of your players. Like, what are the odds that we're able to bring in a player like that and then we've talked at length about Dewar and Totland, so I think those go without saying. I'm also excited to see if and when we sign Jose Kojima and where him and McSorley are really going to land this year. Pivoting a little bit to the new food options. So this is some off-the-field stuff that if you're going to City Park this year, you're probably aware of because it was in the news, but let's touch on it really quick. City SC has worked with uh, their chief flavor officer, Gerard Kraft, to curate the City Flavor Experience once again, bringing in New restaurant partners for 2024, including Olive and Oak, Oleo, Sunday Best, Soul Taco, Saucy Porca, Donut Drive-In, and Medina Mediterranean Grill. We're looking at the O&O Burger, the Philly Cheesesteak, which both were, Santi, I don't know if you managed to have those today when they have those. I video. did. Let they me give great. a plug for the Philly Cheesesteak from O&O. It is unbelievable. I don't know how much it's going to cost. It's probably going to be expensive, but I think it's going to be worth it in the, you have to try it at least once. Personally, I liked it a little more than the burger, even though the burger was to die for. But plenty of new options. Hummus and chicken shawarma from Oleo, fried chicken sandwiches from Sunday Best, burritos with kimchi rice from Soul Taco. The the level, the bar has been raised once again at City Park. Any any favorites you guys are looking forward to, Stu, of those of those new ones? Anything you're looking forward to trying most? Oh, well, I'm a huge Soul Taco for. Uh, fans, so it won't be trying them for the first time, but I am looking forward to having Soul Taco at City Park. Uh, that's first on my list. Fantastic. Santi, anything you're looking yeah, forward to? So out of those places, the only one I have been to is um, Soul Taco, and I really like it. So uh, I was really excited when I saw they were going to be part of the food options at City Park. But um, the ones we tried today, um, the that Philly cheesesteak and the burger were really good too. So um, 
so yeah, looking forward to uh, trying some of these new options at City Park. All right, before we get into our MLS season preview, there are some quick competitive initiatives that MLS is instituting this year that you're going to see during games. So if you haven't been paying attention, maybe you forgot because they announced a little while ago, there's an off-field treatment rule that allows medical professionals time to assess and treat players off the field of play in a less pressurized environment. And so what this essentially is, is if a player is suspected of injury, they remain on the ground for more than 15 seconds, the ref is going to stop play and ensure that the player is removed from the field for a minimum of two minutes for further assessment. You can see easily how this might discourage diving, discourage um, embellishment, because you're going to be without that player for at least two minutes. This was first implemented in MLS Next Pro uh, about a year and a half ago, and it has been a success. Uh, the only exceptions to the off-field treatment rule are going to be instances of potential head injury, goalkeeper injuries, serious medical events, and fouls resulting in yellow or red cards. So that's going to be a very exciting rule to see implemented. There's a timed substitution rule saying that the failure to exit from any point of the field within 10 seconds will cause the incoming player to wait for 60 seconds in a holding period before they can enter at the next stoppage. There's in-stadium VAR announcements that will be implemented pending IFAB approval. VAR decisions will be announced by the referee to fans in the stadium and viewers at home. But the caveat to this is what level of announcement. We saw this a little bit in preseason, and they didn't quite explain everything in depth. They more just announced what the final decision was. So adjust your expectations accordingly. And then the last exciting one that I have is the stoppage time clock. If you're in the stadium, scoreboards, video boards, or stadium clocks will now run until the completion of each half, including additional time at the end of the first or second halves. So no more grabbing your iPhone, no more grabbing your stopwatch and setting the time. As soon as you see that 90 minutes hit, you see four minutes held up by the fourth official. You can continue to watch the clock. Everybody's on the same page. Much better experience for fans in the stadium. Right, guys? Santi? Absolutely. It, it drives me crazy that uh, it stops at 45 and at 90. And um, when, when there is no match at a time, maybe not a big deal, but when you have six, seven minutes added and, and you want to know uh, where, where the clock is, um, it is great and more uh, more transparency for everybody. So yeah, I really I really like that. And um, I'm interested in the in the bar announcements because um, yeah, as you said, like so far from what we have seen is just the uh, decision, but uh, not a lot of detail, but I think that also adds some transparency and allows everybody to to know what's going on. Sometimes, like, yeah, there's a decision made, but you don't really know um, exactly what it was. But, but yeah, these things are, are for the betterment of the league, for sure. All right, guys, it's time. Are you ready for the MLS season preview? Let's do it. The way that I organize this is based off Bradley Carnell's and Lutz Finish Deal's comments multiple times last year in how they view the season. They told us multiple times that they view their season in blocks of games. Santi, there's debate on how many games <laughs> constitutes a block, as we've mentioned in some of our shows last year. You're asking me? You, you caught a little heat from Bradley last year in that. But for the sake of, of trying to even it out, I broke this out into six blocks. We've got the first six games, the next seven games, the seven games after that, the final, seven, final six games before League's Cup, and then five games and four games post-Leagues Cup. So as we look to this, 
first six games. I'm going to intro each one. Then Santi and Stu, you guys are going to trade off looking at each one of these games. Let's start with the first six games. We have on February 24th, opening game at home City Park against Real Salt Lake. This block goes until March 30th. So the block of games in here consists of the CONCACAF Champions Cup games, at least two against Real, uh, Houston Dynamo in the game before and after Real Salt Lake. So technically, the matches are Houston and CONCACAF Champions Cup, Real Salt Lake, Houston again, and then at home against NYCFC, away against Atlanta or Austin FC, away against LA Galaxy, home against DC United, and away against Real Salt Lake, playing them two times in this block of games. It consists of three home games, three away games. Santi, what are your thoughts about this block of games as it starts the season? Yeah, so starting with Real Salt Lake, um, it's, a, it's a team that won at City Park last year, and around that time, they went on a nine-game um, undefeated streak, included that win at City Park. But um, just looking at them, they um, they some players uh, left, uh, including uh, Jefferson Savarino, their leading goal goal scorer, and also uh, one of their assist leaders. Um, but um, they also have good players like Diego Luna and Chicharango, and may also some. Good addition. So it's going to be a difficult opponent uh, at City Park um, to um, open the season. The one thing um, that is good is that they also open their MLS season on Wednesday, the 21st. So um, at least there will be a balance between uh, both teams uh, playing midweek. But uh, excited to see, excited, excited about seeing. Um, what City can do after playing uh, Houston in in Concacaf Champions Cup, um, and then uh, you also have uh, that second Concacaf Champions Cup against uh, Houston. Uh, Houston uh, also um, a team that did well last year, made it to the conference final. They are gonna be without uh, Hector Herrera and and uh, Quinones and Caicedo. Quinones is out out for the season. And um, they haven't um, added, um, they haven't had significant additions. So uh, they did great last year, but uh, they're going to miss, uh, they're going to be missing Hector Herrera. And um, I think uh, that's going to play to City's advantage. Then uh, New York City FC, they were out of the playoffs last year, but uh, were in contention until the end. Then um, visit to um, Austin, Austin. Uh, they um, they were doing well um, last year, all the way until uh, League Cup, and then after the League Cup break, um, they were really bad and ended up um, not making the playoffs. Um, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see if this will be something similar to the Austin FC from 2022, or it will be a version of Austin FC from uh, the second half of the season last year. The next one uh, against Galaxy also didn't make the playoffs, but City didn't beat them in the two games they they played um, last year, and they, they let go some of their players. Uh, obviously, Chicharito not there anymore. Uh, they also uh, got rid of uh, Douglas Costa, which was another one of their DPs and made some trades to um, to get some money to 
to make some acquisitions. Uh, John Nelson uh, is there, so um, City will see one of its former players. And um, after that, am I missing? I'm missing the last one, right? DC United and then Real Salt Lake again. Yeah, so DC United, um, DC United, another faces, right. Another another game with friendly faces. Um, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but um, but they were also like right there until the end. And um, City is gonna see uh, Lucas Barlett and and Jared Stroud. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good stretch of games. And um, then you you ended with Realso Lake again, uh, which uh, that happened last year. Like City played uh, Portland Timbers. Um, there are two games pretty quickly, like within um, maybe a month and a half or so. And now uh, this is going to happen with Real Salt Lake. But, um, but hey, some teams that made the playoffs, some teams that didn't. Uh, it could get complicated if City beats Houston in CONCACAF Champions Cup and advances to the next round because then uh, City will see um, Columbus crew uh, after that game against... Um, New York City FC. So we were talking um, right now, based on what the schedule looks like, it's going to be four games in 11 days. Yep. Then if you advance, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, eight games in um, 25, 26, 26 days, something like that. So, uh, so yeah, we want City to, to advance, but uh, the schedule will, will get congested if it advances to a second round of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. I will say uh, at the beginning, Austin Nurberg in the chat asks, do you guys expect us to have a competitive lineup on Tuesday given the amount of games following and how we've treated cups in the past? So if I can add one thing to your analysis, Santi, it's I do think we're going to have a competitive lineup on Tuesday. Our first game is going to pull out our first string players. I think we're having a, a very strong starting 11. It's also on a Tuesday meaning you have a little extra rest going into that next Saturday. It's not truly a midweek game. We've seen teams tend to be able to rest and regen players quicker and better when they have that extra day of rest. So I would expect a strong lineup against Tuesday. I would expect a majority strong lineup. It depends on how the regen goes for that first game against Real Salt Lake. And then that next Houston, the second leg. We're going to talk about the CONCACAF Champions Cup much more in the wind down, but I bet I would look to that, that second Houston game as a rotation game. Um, Santi, I'm going to put you on the spot here and Stu, I'm going to need you to pay attention too, because I didn't prep you guys for this. Mm. I, want, I want a green light, yellow light, or a red light in these sets of games for if you think we're going to take away more than half the points available to us, push and take away half the points for us in that block or less than half. So Santi, if you look at playing Real Salt Lake twice, NYCFC, Austin, LA Galaxy, and DC United, can we do I get a green, yellow, or red light on green green? Green, we're gonna take more than half the points. I'll take it. Love it. And we're gonna need to speed up through these a little bit more if we're gonna have time for all these. So, Stu, you're up next with this next block. And this is appropriate for you to have this block. The next seven games are going to be weird. Let's get this out in <laughs> front. It starts with April 6th, our match against FC Dallas at home. It includes a second match against Austin FC at home on this one. It includes the first Sporting KC match away in Kansas. It includes Houston away. So we play them for a third time, first time in MLS. Chicago at home, LAFC at home, 
and FC Cincinnati away. So there's seven games, but we have this weird break in the middle of this. We have like a bye week sort of scenario in the middle of this. It also has a round of 32 U.S. Open Cup that will start May 7th through the 8th. So right in the middle of this block, the Open Cup begins. We may have a game in that. We may get a bye until the round of 16. We don't know what that schedule looks like, but the earliest city could enter the U.S. Open Cup is during your block of games, Stu. How do you feel this breaking out with four home and three away? So I think that uh, Dallas game is going to be interesting with Peter Musa joining from Benfica. Uh, He's one of the big kind of the big signings that I think has gone under the radar in MLS this offseason. Very. Uh, Also, Cincinnati away, they're going to want blood. Uh, for what happened last year, and we just absolutely creamed them. But also, Miles Robinson and uh, Matt Mia- Miyazaga, um, man, yeah. I can't pronounce his name, but Miazga. Miazga will be such a great pairing together, unfortunately, uh, if they're both not suspended. Hopefully, they will be. But no, that's a very interesting spread of matches that. I could see going either way. So Santi is much more in depth and I'm much more on vibes here. Let's go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say we're at home against Dallas, Austin, uh, sporting away, but we're due a win at sporting Please. and uh, Houston. Come on. We're going to beat them all three and all Chicago. Three. We're due a win away. I think I like those first four games and then LAFC and Cincinnati are a toss up, but uh, hopefully we more than anything else, we turn up for that U S open cup match in the round of 32 and we just don't bounce out there. All right, Stu. So green, yellow or red looking at, are we going to take more than half points available to us in this block of six games? Block of seven games? Well, I think I was saying four wins there, so yeah. All right, so we got two green lights. This is trending well for us, guys. Two green lights. Santi, the next seven games are, I've labeled these the congested seven. They start on May 25th with a home game against the Seattle Sounders, and it goes until June 22nd against Atlanta United. So starting off May 25th at home against Seattle, this includes the away game against Inter-Miami on June 1st, It has the home game against Portland Timbers on June 8th, away to FC Dallas, home at the Colorado Rapids, home at Atlanta United. The round of 16 U.S. Open Cup is during this this, uh, period of matches. One of the matches is our first midweek match in MLS regular season, June 19th against the Colorado Rapids. Of these, we have four home and two away. So given... The possible congestion with U.S. Open Cup, given the midweek against Rapids, where we know we're going to see rotation somewhere, given the Inter-Miami messy match, how do you see this playing out? Well, uh, I like uh, looking at this stretch. Uh, the first opponent is Seattle, uh, which uh, is an- it's another one of the teams that City uh, didn't uh, beat last year, actually lost both games. and. And Seattle uh, signed Pedro de la Vega, so it'll be an exciting game. But um, I would love uh, 
to win this game just because Seattle is one of the teams um, City hasn't beaten yet. And um, I think one of the pending assignments is uh, winning against uh, some of the top teams in the conference, like uh, City didn't beat LAFC, didn't beat Seattle. So I think uh, City is due for a win. Um, so four home games and two away games. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, with four home games, uh, even if there is some some congestion there, and if the team is also uh, in open cup, if it makes it to a round, I'm gonna go uh, with um, green light too. And the Rapids do have just as congested of a schedule there, so they're facing an away midweek match, which is even more difficult. Yeah, and and one thing about the Rapids uh, is not the same Rapids as as last no. year, so uh, it will be a way more competitive game. They had a. Uh, made a lot of acquisitions um so uh, it should be a, an exciting uh cranky classical that's the thing is as we look forward to these we're remembering what these these teams did to us in 2023 and that's that's what we have to go off of but keep in mind so many changes have occurred to these teams not just the inter miami team we played last year that's obvious but seattle lost a few of their playmakers Nico Ladero being first and foremost among them, but they've signed their first ever young designated player. They've they've tried to overhaul their roster a little bit. Portland has a new keeper. FC Dallas, like Stu mentioned, has Peter Musa. Colorado has reshaped their entire lineup. This could be and should be a much more improved lineup. So even though this is a green light that you gave them, I think this is going to be a tough, hard fought for home games. But after that... We have the home stretch going into League's Cup. The final six games before League's Cup is next, starting with June 29th at the Vancouver Whitecaps and ending with that July 20th Sporting KC match. This one, beginning with Vancouver away, includes San Jose at home, Colorado Rapids away, Vancouver at home. Yeah, you heard that right. Two Vancouver matches in four games. Hmm. Then the Seattle Sounders away, so them less than a month later. Sporting KC game again on July 20th away. So we have two away games in here back to back. We also have four away games in general in this block, two home games, and there are two midweek matches in this block as well. So this is where you really see the tight scheduling occurring because of League's Cup that's on the horizon to this. So as we enter this stretch of games, Stu, you see the two midweeks, you see some of the opponents looking at Vancouver twice, looking at Seattle, another SKC in your block, two home and four away. How do you feel this breaking down? Oh, did Stu freeze? Did he freeze on this one? Oh, we, we lost <sighs> Stu. No, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I was just uh, <laughs> muted for a second while I was coughing. I'm still getting over a, a nice Valentine's cold. Oof. Uh, just a missed opportunity here by MLS to have St. Louis play uh, Vancouver at City Park. However, we then go to the Pacific Northwest to play Seattle, where mm. it could have been an amazing road trip away road trip to play you know in vancouver and then seattle or portland but um <clears throat> feels like that kind of happens uh annually with st louis teams we had that kind of happen with st louis fc and and city too but no it's uh man i'm and uh elliot said evander really good to have a breakout season and yeah. he's such a talent. So it, it's, it's hard to tell on away matches so much 
what you're actually going to see. I'm confident, but man, this is this is tough looking through these these matches. Are you going to see are you going to see an overhauled Rapids team to Vancouver's with the travel travel to Seattle, another rivalry match? I mean, if you're looking at a green, yellow or red light on points, I mean, realistically, where do you see us falling in this match is before League's Cup too? Yellow going into League's Cup. Yeah. I think I, even I think that's a little bit optimistic given the two midweek matches. We did not fare good last week in midweek matches. So I, I wonder how our increased depth is going to provide some coverage for that. I'm with you, though. I, I have a tough time being optimistic about being in the green on this one, taking more points than uh, than half available to us. League's Cup, we'll preview that just fine whenever the time comes, assuming that we actually participate in the U.S. Open Cup, because I'll tell you right now, Phil and I are on the same page of our, our level of coverage of flyover to the League's Cup is heavily dependent on St. Louis City SC proper participating along with the other MLS teams in the U.S. Open Cup. I'll say that right now. The only reason I did a League's Cup preview for our YouTube channel the other day is because it had been previously announced that MLS was participating fully. If that changes, so will our efforts toward League's Cup. With that said, let's move past League's Cup. Let's get to the other side. In 2023, it was a difficult path down the home stretch. It was stop, start. We had difficulty finding grooves for long periods of time. But Santi, we start with this five-game stretch post-League's Cup that starts on August 24th at the Portland Timbers and finishing on September 21st at the San Jose Earthquakes. So if you look at away to Portland, home to the LA Galaxy, away at the New England Revolution, home to Minnesota United, away at San Jose, how do you see those blocks of games breaking out, including our first East Coast road trip? Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this this block um, and uh, just thinking about the previous block being a yellow light. Um, mm. I'm, I'm a little concerned because because you don't want to go uh, in a downtrend uh, before League's Cup and then uh, with this... Um, the stretch of games uh, after League's Cup, uh, Timbers, um, they have a new coach. And um, last year, um, they they got a win against City. And then Sea uh, Galaxy again going to the East Coast against a New England that, that has a new coach, um, Caleb Porter, who has won a MLS Cup. And um, New England has been good o- over the last few years, uh, even though they keep selling players uh they keep uh they bring some new ones and um they get the job done so that that's going to be a very difficult uh east coast trip and um then uh, minnesota and closing it with the quakes at at san jose i think um just looking at this one just because it's three away games and two home games i think this is going to be our first uh red light uh, re- realism at its worst from Santiago Beltran. Uh, despite the fact that we have full rest weeks during this, I, I would tend to look to this as kind of a, a, a make or break period of games when it comes to post leagues cup, because you need to find your groove. And if it's, if it's red, then it's really all going to come down to Stu's final four games, which I don't know how you got every single SKC game in your blocks, but you did. <laughs> um, I, I want to know, 
two things, not just, well, three things. So in this block, we have home against Sporting KC starting September 28th. We go away to LAFC, which is another midweek away LAFC match. That was, LAFC seems to be our midweek opponent year in and year out. But then we have a home game against Houston Dynamo and we finish it off away decision day against Minnesota United. Stu, I want to know not just your thoughts on this block, the green, yellow, red lights, but also this SKC game. Give me a very specific prediction of how our series with SKC is going to go this year, wins, loss, draws. I'm going to say we're going to dominate them in the regular season again, Um, which I'll say that, but my gut says something slightly different. However, for this match, I think... uh, Tomas Totland with the winner and a 2-1 win on September 28th. That was way more specific than I thought you were going to go. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love that. Uh, but will I say I, I'm a little upset that our schedule has us facing Minnesota toward the end of the schedule because yeah. they're such a mess right now that facing them at the beginning mm. of the season would be yeah. such an advantage. I can't believe they'll get any worse uh than they are right now um because they're so disorganized uh and just they don't have a coach they don't have basically a roster right now so uh to face them twice toward the end of the season is a disservice to us however also having to face houston so much just irritates me but at That's least we get a works. nice break from Houston. It's it Minnesota is one of those bizarre <laughs> duos where just similar to Vancouver, Seattle, we play them twice in about a month's per, a month's period at the end of the season this time. But yeah, that that is bizarre. What do you have for us on the green, yellow, or red lights? I think we take two wins out of four. So if we can snag a draw out of that, it'd be a green. But I think uh what is that? Uh it's a yellow. Yellow. Yeah, we'll go with yellow. It might not be exactly yellow as far as the points break out, but we'll call it a yellow. Two wins and maybe two losses. That sounds about right. Okay, so we finished the season. I think if I have my mental tally right, we have three greens, two yellows, and a red in our blocks. Yeah. Not too bad. So as we wrap this up, and you're listening to us on the Big 550 KTRS, thank you so much for joining us. If you're tuning in on the radio, be sure to check out our podcast, Search Flyover Footy, wherever you find your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else, or search YouTube to find our live stream. We keep them all every week. We love interacting with our chat. Thank you so much. And we will be getting to all the chat questions in the wind down, I promise. So, Santi and Stu, we have a lightning round with predictions. Five questions that I've got for you guys that will make or break City's season. Where will City finish in MLS and the Western Conference? You can include records or wins if you want, but where will we finish overall in Sporter Shield and in the West? Santi, let's start with you. I'm going uh, with fourth place. And in terms of wins, um, going with 14 wins. 14 wins, fourth place in the West? Yes. Okay. Stu, how about you? Uh, I'm going to go sixth place with 13 wins, actually. Both of them check out whether or not you guys intended them to or not from 2023 because there was a pretty similar number. I say we finish third because I'm still Mr. Optimism here and I'm reigning <laughs> and defending in that regard. And I think we run away with 15 wins. I think 
I think we probably fall out of League's Cup. I think we probably fall out of U.S. Open Cup. I don't want it to happen, but I think it will. And so I think we'll still finish top four around third place when all is said and done. I think this team learned enough from their last season down the stretch. Santi. Actually, Stu, let's start with you. Who will be City's leading goal scorer this year? I'm going to say Klaus because he's going to stay healthy and he'll net us 13 goals this year. Boom. Santi. Klaus, 15 goals. I was 15 goals. I'm going to go Sam Adeneron with 13 goals. I asked Sam today what his goal was for this year, and he started off by saying to score more goals than I did last year. But then he pivoted to the more uh, whatever my team needs me to do. Hmm. Santi, number three, over under 28 different starting 11s in the 34 regular season MLS games. Over. Over. Stu. Yeah, probably over. I think that brings us in line or just over what we did last year. And so with a rotated roster, I can see that. I'm also going to take the over. Fourth one, Stu, let's start with you. Which player that won't start the year as a perceived regular starter will end the year as an every match starter? Uh, I'll say Totland in case Nerwinski starts the season at right back. I think he'll end the season as a right back. Let me rephrase this question real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give you, let me give you my perceived starting 11. And then you answer based on that. Berkey, Dewar, Parker, Nilsson, Totland, Blome, Leuven, AZ Jackson, Indiana Vasilev, Klaus, and Sam. Which one of, which player not listed there may have the highest potential to break in as a regular everyday starter? I'll say uh, Kojima. Ooh, I like that one. Santi. Celio. That's a very good one. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Chris Durkin. Love the Celio shout, Santi. That's going to be extremely popular. Fifth one, guys, let's finish it up. Will City win any silverware this year? And if so, what is your order of likelihood of that happening? We have... The MLS Western Conference Championship, which is the Western Conference playoff win, MLS Cup itself, Supporter Shield, Champions Cup, Leagues Cup, and the U.S. Open Cup. Let's go with Stu to start. Well, that's a good clarification that the conference championship is in the playoffs. Yeah. Because I've had a few people say, oh, are we going to hang a banner for the Western Conference Championship? Nope. No. No, we did not win the Western Conference last year. We finish the regular season top, but that does not win us the Western Conference. Correct. Uh, Rank them, Steve. Well, first, will we win any silverware? I would say most likely not. Okay. But Realistic answer. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not an optimist there. However, I would rank MLS Cup first, Supporter Shield, and then U.S. Open Cup. Uh, Champions Cup, Conference Championship, and then Leagues Cup as my uh, ranking. Uh, I I think we have a pretty good shot at quite a few of those, but uh, it's really hard to win silverware in this league. That's very fair. Santi? Um, Also going with no. And for the rankings, I'm going to go Conference Championship. Leagues Cup, U.S. Open Cup, Supporter Shield, Champions Cup, MLS Cup. 
All right. So you think we're going to ha- be hot in the playoffs as our yep. best bet. Okay. Yep. I like that. Um, Joe Miller says, do footy scran awards count? I think we've already won that based on the number of times they've tweeted about us. <laughs> my, my, I'm going to say no as well. Uh, just, just realistic a little bit and second season, uh, it, it's going to be tough. Um, but I think the opportunity for me is supporter shield first and foremost, I think this team is building themselves well to withstand the rigors of the season and they know what to expect. So I'm going to go supporter shield. I'm going to go conference championship, MLS cup, champions cup, us open cup leagues cup, because I still haven't seen anything that leads me to believe that this club will prioritize us open cup and leagues cup. Mm -hmm. Like I think they will the champions cup. I think this, I think there's a level of understanding from this club, from everybody I've talked to that, they take the champions cup as something bigger, something to strive for something that it really will achieve the goal that Carolyn Kindle has to make St. Louis more of a global, more of a, a, you know, regional powerhouse. And I think that furthers that. So I'm not saying that drives the sporting decisions, but I'm saying Bradley Carnell has talked a lot about champions cup. And I think the opportunity for the first match, they win that. And then it just continues to go from there. So that's why I think that's a little higher than leagues or U.S. Open Cup. Guys, we're out of time. Do you have any parting thoughts on the MLS regular season before we go on the Big 550 KTRS? Just excited about being back. And um, next week, uh, the regular season will be here. So excited to have uh, soccer back in St. Louis. Stu? Two home games in one week. Like, How incredible is that already? The dream is here, guys. Well, that'll do it for us. Thank you for joining us on the Big 550 KTRS. If you're inclined, check us out on podcasts wherever you get them. For our wind down, where we're doing a full CONCACAF Champions Cup preview, looking at the bracket, where we stand now, as well as previewing our match against the Houston Dynamo. Join us there. Join us on stream on Thursday nights if you get a chance. It's really fun to kind of do the live stream with everybody. I love seeing the comments that we always get to the Q&As in our wind down For Santi and Stu, I'm Matt Baker. Thank you for joining us so much on Flyover Footy, and we'll talk to you later. Welcome back to The Wind Down. And for the first time in 2024, I have an actual beer on a Thursday night for The Wind Down, an urban chestnut fantasy land. Before we started the wind down, we noticed that in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, as we're recording this, Monterey and Comunicaciones are playing, and it looks like Monterey is going to move on easily. But the upset of the night, Club Sport Herediano, is that how you pronounce it, Santi? Yeah, Herediano. Herediano has defeated Toluca on away goals after tying on aggregate. Toluca appears to have picked up a red card in this match, and... Yeah, red card in the 90th minute. Herediano moves on and Toluca is out. What a, I would just say, a surprising turn of events. After uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup, of course, has uh, away goals as the first tiebreaker. There's a, a slew of tiebreakers that exist, but this is a great example of if you tie on aggregate in your two legs, away goals matter. So as we start to look into St. Louis City and specifically our matchup against the Houston Dynamo, Keep in mind that away goals do matter. It's I think UEFA has gotten away from this, but CONCACAF is sticking to their guns and they're saying, nope, it matters how you play when you travel. 
So first game at home at City Park this coming Tuesday. We A clean sheet means way more than it usually does for Berkey. So be on the lookout for a clean sheet. Everybody be excited for that. If it occurs, away goals do matter. So guys, as we look into this bracket, we're still in... We're in the middle of the the tournament, essentially. There are, at the end of the second week is how we're going here. St. Louis hasn't played a match, but many of these teams have. So as you look to the games that have already occurred, to me, I don't want to necessarily go through each individual match because I don't think there's necessarily that, I don't think people are plugged in as much to every single individual match. What I do want to say before I look at the couple of ones that are interesting to me is the, the tournament in and of itself And I heard today from the club that there are tickets still available. And I think there is, in discussions with some other folks who were there, uh, Santi, I don't know if you heard this, but just my opinion in the CONCACAF Champions Cup is there's a lack of general understanding from a, a general pop version of the fan base, those who... They come to games, they they know of the teams, they won't know very many players. Obviously, they know Messi, you know, maybe they know Hector Herrera, they know the national team, but competitions are, it's just a game at City Park. And so they see the regular season MLS starting on Saturday, February 24th against Real Salt Lake, but they also see this midweek match, which midweek match hurts in and of itself. But I don't think there's a general knowledge of what this means and the fact that if you win Champions Cup, you then qualify for the FIFA Club World Cup, and you could legitimately play Manchester City, uh, Real Madrid, these teams that you wake up on Saturday mornings to watch. They could play against St. Louis City. That's that's what's at stake here. And regardless of how far-fetched you think that is, I bet people thought it was far-fetched for an expansion side to win their regular season conference. But we did it. These things happen. That's why we love the game. Crazy things happen. I'm not saying we do that, but I'm saying that I just want, I wish there was more of an all-in aspect to CONCACAF Champions Cup. I think that tickets will eventually sell out. I have a, I think just like the US Open Cup last year, there's there's going to be a strong last minute push. Yeah. I, I would love to, and I'm, Santi, what do you think? Do you think that it's the idea that people don't really understand the gravity of what Champions Cup is? So a couple of things. Uh, I think people may still be waiting to see um, what the weather looks like for, for Tuesday. Uh, the last time I checked, it looked like it was going to be okay. But um, Do we want to you know, get a weather report here? <laughs> no, because it's probably whatever we say today is probably going to be inaccurate. You know, the thing is, though, it's been <laughs> trending up. So I think we have one hump to get over, and people have probably already experienced it by the time they listen to this on the podcast, but it's the snow on Friday morning. If it snows Friday morning, and then the weather is able to bounce back like they think it will, to where it's 53 on Sunday, 58 on Monday, and then 63 on Tuesday with a game time, ki- game time weather at kickoff of mid-50s or 50 degrees, how incredible would that be? I think you'll get those last-minute ticket sales if the weather ends up being that way. Yeah, and the other thing besides the weather that I think uh, also doesn't help uh, is that the opponent is Houston Dynamo, another MLS team. Yes. So I don't think people, the perception is not like, oh, yeah, it's an international tournament. Like if a team from Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras, or another country was coming, I think people see it more as an international competition. But uh, the fact that it's another MLS team uh, is not as exciting as as it should be. 
hundred percent. Chris Gebhardt mentioned that in chat. A non-MLS first-round opponent would have helped hype it more. Could not agree more. Joe Miller says, and play these global clubs in a meaningful match, not just meaningless exhibitions. That's another point uh, to, to further emphasize that. So not just looking at a potential FIFA Club World Cup, but CONCACAF Champions Cup. These aren't friendlies against a team that you can put something together with. It's not Leverkusen coming over in a friendly against your second team, which was a spectacle, but these matches count. These matter. So... That's my spiel on CONCACAF Champions Cup and why I wish it would be a little more uh, better supported, but circumstances, a gen- general lack of knowledge, whatever it ends up being, I still think we're on on we're going to sell out. I'm optimistic about that perspective. But what is the what does the bracket look like? What do what do things look like for City as we go into this first match next week? Well, we've played Houston Dynamo twice. We know uh, a lot about them, and so. There's, there's a level of what does the 2024 Houston Dynamo team look like? And I think it was Stu in our first KTRS part that was talking about Minnesota United at the end of the MLS regular season having to play them twice, despite the fact that we want to play that kind of team first earlier in the season because they don't have a coach. You want to catch these teams off guard. You, there's, I like to play teams where you have a better chance of winning. You know that I mean, call me crazy for that perspective. But with this Houston Dynamo team, I think that's what we're getting. And this is the this is when you want to play this Houston Dynamo team. If I look back at their prospective starting eleven, there are two names as of a week ago that jumped out at you as these are difference makers. And without them, it's a vastly looking Dynamo team. And that's Ache Ache, Hector Herrera, and Nelson Quinones. Both of those players are out against St. Louis City. Ache Ache has a minor injury that he's actually traveled back to Europe to get looked at. Um, he's getting a procedure, I believe, in Portugal, or at least being looked at by doctors from FC Porto. No timeline has been set on his return, but it sounded likely from Houston Dynamo fan reporting in some of their podcasts and media that that the Dynamo's captain will be out until at least April. And that's best wow. case scenario. Yeah, so, that's- that's a big loss for them, and uh, if he's going to be out until April, I wouldn't call it a minor injury. <laughs> no, and we might actually miss him in our first match in the regular season. So playing uh, the Houston Dynamo, we see we see them on May 4th. So if he's out until April, that's even at risk. So yeah. There's a lot that we could be uh, missing out on with Ache Ache. Nelson Quinones, this one's recent. He's out yeah. for the season with a knee injury. So he was their one of their bright attacking wingers and not having him on the field. And in addition to losing Corey Baird from last year, I think he signed with Cincinnati, if I recall. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just out and about. Luis Caicedo, I think, is also not here with the team. Is that correct, Santi? Yeah, that, that's, that's the last report I saw that uh, he's, he's in Colombia dealing with some personal issues. Um, so he, he won't be... At City Park either. So Stu, how do we feel about this? Just you you talked earlier in some of your previews about going on, you know, gut and feeling and how things just what what the matchups make you feel. But knowing all of this from Houston, knowing what we know about St. Louis in how they've been able to get all of their players up to not just 75, 90 minutes fit, but by all accounts, healthy, save for I think Rasmus Alm is the only one still recovering from something. How do you feel about this matchup next week? Well, you, you almost have to think from a Houston perspective that maybe they are okay with just losing and mm. dropping out of the cup early 
and focusing on the league with all their troubles. Um, <clears throat> but like you said, this is probably the best time to catch the Dynamo. Uh, yeah, I mean, injuries, uh, Casado, uh, Hector Herrera. You know, you know if, if I look at this, this starting lineup of theirs and I think of – I think of the possibilities. I see this as a mid-table MLS side when they're healthy. Um, they 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 transferred out Thor Ulferson and they signed a homegrown defender, Kieran Sargent, and that's been their only moves. I mean, they were a, they were a good team last year. They weren't a a supporter shield contender, but what they've lost compared to what they've brought in, I, I don't know. I mean, Matt Doyle's article, when he listed out the depth rosters, the three words he used to finish it off is, I am concerned. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Thor was a pretty fun player to watch at Duke, and he never quite lived up to that at Houston. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, uh, Houston was not the sexy draw for uh, Champions Cup. However they're probably the best one for us to move forward on. So if we knock them off and we have a good chance to knock off uh, crew, then we have a good chance to play someone who's really exciting. And uh, how cool would that be? Yeah, totally. That's a sexy matchup too. If we beat Houston and get to go on to play the, the ideal Columbus crew matchup, not just one MLS team that we get to play, but right. back to back. <laughs> and, and and so I think with Houston though that I like that point Stu that when this draw occurred I was I was um, mutedly excited and I guess by that means it wasn't the point of you're playing in an international tournament you get to go to Mexico you get to have Caribbean teams come it's that you were drawn to the team that offers you the best opportunity to move on in the tournament which that winning games is exciting to me. I don't care who we play necessarily, but I love to win games. I don't want to get matched up against the Chivas. I don't want to get matched up against Toluca, even though they just lost. I want to match up that offers us the best opportunity to move on. And I think this, everything we've talked about further reinforces that it, this, this matchup does offer that. So if you're, if you're not as excited because we're not playing a non MLS first round opponent, you can at least look to this this is one of those green light scenarios. You look for a likely win, at least at home. And then you look to see if you can dump some away goals or have a a clean sheet at home to help out. But I don't know. In addition, so Santi, let me ask you, let me put it this way. Last year in the cup matches, I I gave my thoughts earlier on about how I think we're going to approach CONCACAF Champions Cup. How do you think we approach this first match? Do you think that we, like I think, go with our our most fit, best players on the field? Because Bradley Carnell says he doesn't like to name a starting 11. He just wants his best players to be on the field at the same time. By that logic, do you think if all of our best players are healthy that we start all of our best players against Houston Dynamo? Yes. I think uh, for that first game, yes. Uh, go with the best 11, also knowing that uh, it's a Tuesday game and you have um, an extra day to recover for that Saturday game. Yeah, I will go... Uh, with with a strong lineup, um, best eleven, and uh, get your first opportunity to uh, to win that game. And um, if you if you win and win, 
by at least two goals, uh, good chances that, that you could advance. But yeah, considering there is an international competition, um, advancing on the first time you're, you're in it and on your second year as a team, I think is, is great. And, and yeah, we drew Houston and Houston had a good season last year and actually the the last part of the season they were one one of the best teams in the league mm-hmm. and uh, they did well in the playoffs um, but yeah now they are missing uh, some key players so yeah it's a great opportunity to make it to the second round and in these uh, knockout tournaments um, as you as you go to a second round third round and so forth anything can happen so um, so yeah it's a great opportunity and I agree uh, we we will go with the best 11. Stu, what are your thoughts on the the matchup as far as how city style of play works against Houston's? Because we know city style of play. We know that they're a high-pressing team. We know they like to have very few passes. They like to progress the ball up the field very quickly. Houston Dynamo are quite the opposite. When you look at to last year's Houston Dynamo, their their overall sequences, passes per sequence, they were very intentional with moving the ball up the field uh, as far as overall passes per sequence, they were third highest in the league. They had a lot of passes per possession of theirs. As far as sequence time, they were top 10 in overall time. They possessed the ball per, per possession. And so do you think that as well as we matched up with them last year and with the one win, one draw last year, the vital players missing so far this season, do you think we match up well against a team like the Houston Dynamo at home? I mean, Houston still finished fourth last year in the Western Conference. They're not a scrub team from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so hard to talk about anything MLS in the offseason because so much changes. It's a uh, it's a crapshoot, isn't it? This first game? Like you really yeah, don't no, know I, how either of these teams are going to look. I tease extra time guys because, you know, who knows, but at the same time, when you're put in the same seat, it's kind of the same, same thing. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Houston could be come out of the box and they could have a, a signing that they made under the wire that none of us expected that turns yep. out to be a world world beater. So, uh, <clears throat> well, when it comes to a signing like that, the guy that I'll, point everybody's attention to is U22 initiative signing Ibrahim Aliyu. Don't know if I have the last name pronounced correctly, but Ibrahim Aliyu, U22 initiative signing who's said to have shown the ability to get into good spots in limited minutes last year and has a clear depth chart spot ahead of him. With the injury to Nelson Quinones, with Corey Baird gone, it looks like he may slot in, and it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to get him some minutes early on, whether it's on the wing whether it is centrally um, or whether it's up front. So Aliyu is a guy who, if they're willing to give young guys a shot with some of their injuries, he offers a lot of upside that could be an exciting issue for our center backs to handle. Elliot Meyer in chat says, Karaskia could be a game changer. Entirely agree. Um, Artur is another player to keep an eye on in the midfield as uh, one of their their key players to progress the ball and how he can be a, a good holding midfielder. They like to work the ball at their wings, and this is where the loss of Nelson Quinones. Kerskia might work on the right in progressing the ball up the field, but because they like to possess and they like to work the ball up through their wings, losing that skillful play is going to... I don't know if it'll cripple them. Chris Gebhardt 
mentions that he he actually talked to the Houston Dynamo podcast guys last night, and they didn't seem too uh, they were they weren't too high up on their chances. But he also says that no Ache Ache kind of cripples their cripples their offense, and I agree with that entirely. Ache Ache led their team in touches last year. He led their team in passes and progressive passes. Every key playmaking metric, Ache Ache led their team in last year. He, they're just a different team, and so. I guess my final note as we as we move on from Houston is just it's cautious optimism for me. I see this as not a trap game necessarily, but I struggle to find ways in which Houston has shown that with the guys they're going to be putting on the field that they can score goals or create chances. And so it would it would surprise me. It would be the first surprising thing of the season and there's always many surprising things that come out. But I struggle seeing the players available to them that I know are going to take the field, seeing where their creation, where their attacking is going to come from. Santi, any final words on the Houston Dynamo? It's a great opportunity to uh, advance to the second round and face Columbus. So uh, I'm hoping we, we put uh, our best 11 out there on Tuesday. Stu, anything else on Houston or Champions Cup? Oh, yeah. You, gotta, you have to try to win a cup. You can win a trophy. And the first match being before MLS regular season, why not go for it, right? That's that's my thought. And you see what happens after that first game. Because if you if something happens, something I would say fluky, we get blown out, we lose by multiple goals, it's gonna shift how how you choose to roll out a lineup in the second leg. But if you win, if you win three nothing, I can see this team trying to make a run. All right, guys. Let's let's do something that we uh, we missed, and, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on some of these players. So, Phil, this kept dropping off of uh, Phil and my agenda the past few weeks. <laughs> Updates on our loanees. So, as we start to pick up this season, I mean, let's touch in on players that we have out on loan, and then also if we I, there are some there's some excitement still on some of the players that we've sold. But primarily, I'm looking at Isak Jensen, Selmir Pedro, and Miguel Perez. The players that we have under contract, out on loan, Isak Jensen and Selmir Pedro, our left winger and left back respectively, are out on loan until the end of June in 2024. Their loans will expire then. We know that based on comments from the Viborg sporting director where Isak Jensen is in Denmark, Isak Jensen has a loan with an option to purchase. Isak Jensen has been starting very consistently for Viborg as they ramp up their time getting ready to play in their back half of their season. They take a winter break. And so Viborg playing has Isak Jensen kind of, I, I love seeing him succeed, but I don't, honestly, I don't know if we get him back this summer. And I see that I've upset Stu by talking bad about Isak Jensen coming back. And so he left. Oh, but I think it was just <laughs> no. I'm just just kidding, Stu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he dropped. If he comes back, we'll get his takes. But Santi, Isak Jensen. Um, let's just go with. Do you think we get him back? No, no. Just because there is that option to uh, purchase, and he has been doing well. And um, if uh, Bayberg, that's an exercise that option to purchase. Um, then uh, you may have to worry about uh, international slots, and and then you have a very crowded uh, midfield. So um, I think at the end of the day, maybe uh, this will be good for the club. Um, yeah. Just because um, 
there's a lot of talent in in the midfield and um with the interesting portion will be what uh how much is that option to to purchase but but yeah i don't see him coming back and uh, viborg's matches begin again here in the next couple of weeks they play on well they play tomorrow in their first match uh, as we're recording this on friday february 16th but they also play february 25th march 3rd so we're going to continue to watch isaac jensen with uh just a, a keeping him in the corner of our eye out there in case he does come back and see how he does because you never know what escalators could be on an option of purchase based on how he's performing selmir pedro though Quite the opposite end of the spectrum. He has he started for FC Zlin, where he's been on loan on January 31st in a friendly. But he left after 20 minutes after getting a cut on his face from a header that required him to go to the hospital. Since then, he came on as a sub for six minutes in a 2-1 loss on February 11th, and he didn't start in their most recent game. I don't want to spend too much time because we belabored the fact earlier, but... Uh, let's get let's get a thumbs up or thumbs down. Does Selmer Pedro wear a city kit again? Thumbs down. Same. Let's look positive. Miguel Perez. He uh, came on as a sub in the Birmingham Legion's first preseason game. He started in their second preseason game, and that was against Nashville SC. So that was kind of exciting to see him ramp up and get some more time. We've heard some really positive things about Miguel Perez from uh, Kaylor Hodges, who. Uh, writes for the Birmingham Legion and has an interesting note that he thinks Miguel Perez may be part of a double pivot for the Birmingham Legion. And in that first game where he almost scored a goal, we actually saw him be used a little more forward in an attacking role mm-hmm. where City didn't really leverage him that much except for maybe on set pieces or broken plays in the box. That's an exciting aspect to see the growth of Miguel Perez. When you look to some of the young guys that City has, I saw I heard earlier today Bradley Carnell, it was either today or yesterday, referred to Jose Kojima, our first-round draft super draft pick, as a center defensive mid who can play the fullback positions. So as you start mm-hmm. to see long-term where some of these young, young guys are really um, projected to play in the field, you see a, a real opportunity in the future for Miguel Perez to step into an Edu Leuven-type role. And that's that may be a real pie-in-the-sky look, and it may be getting way ahead of myself, but... The potential is there, and I would love to see more out of him from what he can offer in the Birmingham Legion uh, organization this season on loan. Obviously, it's a loan with an option to recall, so we can get him back whenever we need. Uh, how excited are you to see him in the Birmingham Legion organization? Uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing what, what he can do. He's going to get minutes, and uh, based on uh, these initial reports, um, looks like uh, he... He's gonna. He has potential for being a starter, which um, will be important for his development. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why he was sent um, to another team, just because the team um, maybe didn't see a, a lot of opportunities for him to to get minutes. And and when you are a young player, you need to get minutes and and playing competitive games. Um, so yeah, I think he's gonna do well in in Birmingham. Uh, now the the question is, um, will City decide to recall him or maybe let him uh, be there the whole season and, and then think about next year? But um, but yeah, I think it's exciting that, that he has this opportunity. And um, based on uh, when we, what we saw um, on him uh, playing on some offensive roles in um, that initial match, uh, 
I would love to see what what he can do uh, because when when he was before he came to City, um, he wasn't a defensive mid. He mm-hmm. convert he was he converted to he was converted to defensive mid uh, with City. So um, will be interesting to see what what he can do with Birmingham and if whether his role is being in that double pivot position or if we see him uh, playing more uh, offensive mid. So looking forward to seeing that. That's a good reminder of what Miguel Perez brings to the table. And last year, I'll remind everyone that Miguel Perez wasn't the only person who was brought back into the defensive mid out of a, a need to have bodies there. Indiana Vasilev. I, I asked Carnell, and he's a feature of the YouTube video I have on Bradley Carnell's post-Louisville City match press conference, making comments that I thought by having Indiana Vasilev in a more attacking position regularly throughout the preseason – and looking to go into the season with Indy cemented as an attacking winger, attacking mid, he's he's really giving him freedom and flexibility to grow in a position he is most comfortable in. Indy is an attacker. That's where he thrives. And he was used last year. So just like Miguel Perez, he came into the city organization as more of a free-flowing, box-to-box type mid. He likes to push up. He wasn't given that opportunity just out of necessity. Yeah, I don't, I don't view how we used him necessarily as pigeonholing, but I like your... I like your uh, comments about what you look to see for him in Birmingham because that could indicate what the long-term plan for City is with Miguel Perez. Now, let's look at a little. Uh, let's look at some questions from the chat because I think we okay. overlooked a few, and um, those are our players on loan. I want to circle back to City going into Champions Cup uh, based on some of these questions because Brendan Stanfield has a couple good ones. Do you think we will have a specific squad for MLS play and then a completely separate second 11 for CONCACAF Champions League slash Leagues Cup and I'll add slash US Open Cup? Oof. Um, I will separate it. Uh, I think um, CONCACAF Champions Cup will be similar lineup to MLS. I don't think you're going to see a different 11. But then just based on what we saw last year, uh, and it will also depend on what's going on during the season, how the team is doing. But uh, if we go based on what we saw last year, yeah, I think we will see maybe not a completely different eleven, but we will see a lot of rotation for Open Cup and maybe League Cup. The one thing about League Cup is that um, City will be hosting uh, both games, so uh, maybe that will change the approach too. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a long season, and at some point we're gonna see rotation, especially considering um, what happened uh, last season during the playoffs. Uh, I think some players uh, look tired, so I think the team is gonna take care of that and and make sure uh, players uh, get to the playoffs um, in 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 peak form. So as part of that, we will see some rotation. Do you think part of that rotation, Chris Gebhardt adds, are we going to see more of Ben Lunt either in any of those Leagues Cup, U.S. Open Cup, or even MLS like we did in U.S. Open Cup from him? Yeah, I think he will, he will get more appearances than, than last year. I, I, I think he will. Totally agree. What I'll add is I don't I, I still back up the fact that I don't know we start by rotating Champions Cup. I think that's the one cup competition where we're going with our strongest lineup to start and mm-hmm. then we'll play it from there. I, I do see rotation happening in that second match because with four matches in 11 days and that one occurring just three days after the second match, I think Bradley Carnell has said 
if he hasn't said explicitly, he's heavily hinted at that third game rotation by necessity. And yeah. you can't, the, we've, we talked about how you can regen guys from a Tuesday to a Saturday. You can't do that from a Saturday to a Tuesday. And so by that, I look for, if you, if you take my thought of the four four two having AZ, Indy, Klaus, and Sam up front, you can see you're going to start Nuke B. Thorson. You're going to start Salio Pompeu. You might start one of Sam or Klaus, depending on how long they go in the MLS opener against Real Salt Lake. But you're probably starting Chris Durkin at this point. You're probably, if Kojima makes the roster, he might earn a start. You never know. But you're looking yeah. at Anthony Marcanic, Kyle Heber, Josh Yarrow, and Jake Nerwinski, and or Tomas Tolan, depending on um, who's 1A and 1B there. Maybe Akil Watts finds himself in the in the midfield if Kojima isn't there. So I could see a Watts and a Durkin, and I could I could see Lunt. I don't know if they're really going to rotate Berkey that early. If we win the first Champions Cup match, I would think no. But yeah. you know the the rotation too isn't just we're going to swap out everybody for everybody. We're not. It's not going to be an entirely fresh eleven right. in Champions Cup. So I don't want to I don't want to mislead or misspeak on that. I just think it's going to depend on who can regen fast enough that's what it's going to depend on they have these baseline tests they have these biometrics that they run in their fitness and sports performance departments so whoever passes the test and they can bring out early against real salt lake that's going to be an indicator if edu leuven goes 90 against houston and real salt lake he's not going to play against houston in that in that third match if edu leuven goes 90 and 45 maybe he has a chance you know, those are the kinds of things to watch for, especially when it comes to the Real Salt Lake game. If you want to start getting an eye for who might be featuring against that second Houston Dynamo match. Do, do you think Leuven will start against um, Dynamo? If it's up to Leuven? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's up to him. <laughs> yeah. But, but he went 45 today against Louisville City in this last preseason game, and he has been gone for almost two weeks. Yeah. If Leuven can go 45 after that layoff where he's just doing, he's not doing soccer drills, he's not doing that kind of fitness, but he's still weightlifting and he's get, he's staying fit, I think he's possible for him to work his way up to 60 or 75 in that first game, and then maybe he goes 90 in the second and then takes a breather for the third. I okay. can see that path. But, but you see him. But you see him starting then, even if it's not ninety. You see him starting. Just because it's Edu Leuven, and I know how mm-hmm. he pushes for that. Yeah, I see him starting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But I do like the ability. The, this depth is going to help us in this first three. Yeah, and we're going to see it. We're going to see Chris Durkin. We're going to see Celio Pompeu. We're going to see Nuki Thorson. We're going to see Tomas Ostrak, guy we didn't mention in that group. The only guy I don't think we're going to see right away is Rasmus Alm. Yeah, yeah, he was um, he was nowhere to be seen today, but um, yeah, I think it's, we're still a few weeks away from seeing him. Um, and who knows? Um, yeah, who knows when we will see him? But but yeah, I think we're still a few weeks away. The other question that Brandon Stanfield had, and we're going to wrap it up pretty soon after this, do we try a five-back system at any point? I know we made a change last year, and it didn't work. And I do want to point out, we did try a back five two or three times last year. The first was against the Seattle Sounders, Mm -hmm. where we started the game with a back five. We ran it at least one more time later in the season to start. And then I know we brought it, we, we've shifted to that kind of a formation, three center backs 
when we subbed in a second half at the end of last season. Yeah, we, we did it during games uh, yes. a few times. Um, but do but, you think we do you think we move more to that in a consistent manner, knowing that we have right now uh, Joachim Nelson, Tim Parker, Kyle Hebert, and Josh Arrow as our dedicated center backs, but we also have Jake Nowinski, who can and has played a right center back role in the past. Uh, I think we will see him. We will see that formation more often. Uh, I don't know if it will be as the new formation or. It will be like half of the games, maybe not, but I think uh, we will see see it more than what we saw it last year, for sure. The reason I think you're right is Nicholas Dewar and Thomas Tolland. Yeah, you, you just uh, acquire uh, those two. Um, so just by that, I, I think uh, we're going to see it more. Um, so we'll see. And you saw how much Thomas Tolton especially loves to get up. In in preseason, he was so often, at least the Coachella preseason matches, so often up in the attacking third. When I when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, that was what he said he loves to do. He loves to be in that attacking third. And he, he is strong defensively. He feels confident about his ability to track back. But I saw so many times City was able to properly cover for him when he moved up the wings like that. And it it does a lot of good in the shape of the overall team. If you have a 4-4-2 even, mm-hmm. so not necessarily looking at a three-man back, it, it's magnified with a three-man back. But if you have a 4-4-2 and you have the, the number eight and the number six in the center mid, and then you have the two attacking mids as more of your wingers, what attacking fullbacks allow you to do is fold in and invert your attacking mids. So it allows Indiana Vasilev to move into a more central space. It allows AZ Jackson to move more centrally where both of them thrive. And when Tomas Totlin can create space to get high up the field on the wings and you're folding in Indiana Vasilev while still having Sam and Klaus up top, that that creates a whole lot of opportunity to spread some really vital space and open things up for your underneath striker. Whether it's been Klaus who's been playing as an underneath striker in the preseason or especially... Nukvi Thorson, who thrives in that role, that offers some really exciting possibilities. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know how soon we will see it, but uh, but yeah, exciting. I'm excited to see it just because uh, of Totland and Doer. And we are going to see it in less than a week. Houston is on Tuesday. The first match of CONCACAF Champions Cup is right around the corner. Tickets are still available as we're recording this on Thursday, but they're selling fast. So please, if you're looking to get into City Park, if you're looking to support St. Louis City in person for CONCACAF Champions Cup, and you don't have a ticket, get one. They're available now. And then right around the corner, we've previewed the entire MLS season. We're looking at Real Salt Lake to open the season. Santi, let's end it on a fun note. Chris okay. Gephardt, this I'm basing this off of your question in the chat. So we're excited to head into the regular season, but there's a kit reveal, and this is our final opportunity to speculate on the kit. It, by the time this comes out on pods, people will probably have already seen it, or it'll be just a couple of hours away. So this is our last chance to speculate. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Go ahead. I'm going to speculate that... I'll, I'll, I'll just say this very cryptically. If anybody saw the image that was posted on X very briefly, I would, I would venture to guess that is pretty accurate to what the underlying pieces of the jersey will look like. But 
the teases that the team has given of a white horse, a roller derby type rink, it looks like, uh, a flower at the botanical gardens, it seemed. And then the the fact that last year, somebody, uh, Billy Jensen noted that the inside box of the season ticket holder gift matched the home kit yeah. from last year. If you look at the inside box this year, it looks pretty white to me. It has some designs, whether you call them hoops or arches or just some logos. I think, and, and the city's whole thing is make your mark. I think it's going to be something white like that. If it has the alternate crest, the internet is going to break into Ooh, two pieces. I had not thought about the alternate crest. Wow. I don't want to. I want to sell, oversell. I don't know anything about this. First of all, so yeah. this is all speculation. But alternate crest would break the internet. Um, Orlando City came out with one today that has their old USL crest. So anything's yeah. possible, right? But I think it's going to be something white. I think it's going to go well with the inside box of the season ticket holder gift. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to look really slick and it will complement our home kit very well. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be wide, but um, I think it's going to have a lot of details and, and some things um, people will like. I don't think it's going to be your typical White Adidas kit. No, uh, no, no. With, Not the white template kit, no. Yeah, so, but yeah, looking forward to uh, seeing it on Saturday. All right, Santi, this has been a blast. It's been great previewing the 2024 season. The next time we get together on Flyover Footy, we'll have a match to recap and preview. It'll be truly in back into the thick of things. We'll be back next Thursday to recap the Houston Dynamo match in CONCACAF Champions Cup, as well as preview Real Salt Lake. Now that we have a full big picture of what the season looks like. And then from then on, it's Flyover Fallout, Flyover Footy twice a week. We still have the YouTube videos coming. We're excited for everything that's to come this year. Sante, look forward to listening to all of your goal calls again <laughs> on the broadcast. Cannot wait for that. Thank Sante, you. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, I'm so excited. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Flyover Footy. Everybody who's in chat, thanks for joining us. Thanks for interacting. So love that very much. Uh, if you're listening to us on your podcast, toss us a five-star rating, toss a review. Everything helps. We really appreciate the support. And we'll be back at you soon. And as always, go City. Go City. See you next week.